Well, hello, and welcome to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach, LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Experience the information, inspiration, and collaboration of our Coach in Your Corner partnership. My name is Stephanie Wolf. I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and proud owner of the Whole Food Health Coach, now in its ninth year and five-time winner of Best of Gwinnett Award in Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism Practices. Rachel Sherry and I invite you to visit wholefoodhealthcoach.com to set up your 60-minute healthy living assessment. WorkWell is brought to you weekly and is dedicated to your personal and professional health and wellness. I offer examples from my own life, health, marriage, family, and business. I share my research, my opinion, and my faith designed to bring you compelling content, engaging challenges, and practical body, soul, and spirit support on your wellness journey. WorkWell comes to you from my personal desire to live long and strong with passion and purpose, die of old age, and help others to do the same. Now from living rooms to boardrooms via Business Radio X, you're listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf. Well, let's do this. I have a funny story to start us off with this um, today because I always do that. I want you to smile and just enjoy our time together. And this is called the $50 helicopter ride. Walter took his wife, Ethel, to the state fair every year. And every time he would say to her, Ethel, you know that I would love to go for a ride in that helicopter. But Ethel would always reply, I know, Walter, but the helicopter ride is $50, and $50 is $50. Finally, they went to the fair, and Walter said to Ethel, Ethel, you know I'm 87 years old now. If I don't ride that helicopter this year, I may never get another chance. Once again, Ethel replied, Walter, you know that helicopter is $50, and $50 is $50. This time, the helicopter pilot overheard the couple's conversation and said, Listen, folks, I'll make a deal with you. I'll take both of you for a ride. If you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word, I won't charge you. But if you say just one word, it's $50. Walter and Ethel agreed, and up they went into the helicopter. The pilot performed all kinds of fancy tricks and moves, but not a word was said by either Walter or Ethel. The pilot did his death-defying tricks over and over again, but still there wasn't so much as a word that came out of either of their mouth. When they finally landed, the pilot turned to Walter and said, Wow, I've got to hand it to you. I did everything I could to get you to scream or shout, but you didn't. I'm really impressed. Walter replied, Well, to be honest, I almost said something when Ethel fell out, but you know, $50 is $50. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we are, uh, if you're with us today, you're listening to this podcast and you know that I seek to offer you inspiration and information. I encourage you to challenge yourself, change something, improve something, let go of something, pick up something, start something, restart something, or at least begin that healthy self-dialogue. And that's what we've been doing since January. We've been talking new beginnings in January, February, heart health, March, the Marvelous Marriage Marathon Month. In April, we did some 
spring cleaning. May, we did a whole series on women's health. And June, a whole series on men's health. And in July, aging gracefully. And today, I'm blessed by the presence, again, of my husband, Jack. Hi, Jack. Hey, sweetie. Glad to be here. Well, or maybe I should be saying um, they're should be they're blessed by your presence, mm. probably more so um, we'll than see. even me. Okay. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here with me, Jack. Um, happy birthday to you! Tomorrow we share our birthdays are ten days apart and two years. That's uh, right. Thank you, babe. Two years and ten days. I got apart. a little cake here that uh, we don't want to light the candles. <laughs> yes, and there's no calories in that cake That's either. Good, I mean, right? they'll have to wait and see that actually in the photos. But um, I have my ruby red shirt on today. It's your favorite color, so I wore that for you. And I also wore my suit in honor of our theme, Aging Gracefully, Finding Purpose is mm. what we're going to be talking about, and what do you want to be when you grow up? So I don't know. That's, um, that's like a it. big topic. It is a big topic. But we've got a lot to share on that topic, I think. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, still some things to figure out. Exactly. I just want to keep growing up. That's all I care about. So, uh, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I remember being asked that as a child, and I thought I knew what I wanted to be back then, and I would say, I want to be a lawyer. And why did I want to be a lawyer? Well, not because of my, only because, I guess, of my interest in law, and not because of my desire to see justice served, Mm -hmm. and not even because I had the ability to argue a case in court, because I do have a pretty strong neck for arguing. Hmm. Let me think on that. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't nod. It's my birthday. It would not be a good time to <laughs> no, nod. But the truth is, I really kind of just wanted to be anything that most women didn't do. And back then, a lawyer was one of those jobs that many women didn't do. So I guess I just wanted to be different or make a difference. And I didn't know what my gifts and talents were, obviously, back then at that young age. I didn't know my personality type or the Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or Impact like Jack teaches. Um, And I had no career counseling, and I sure hadn't sought the Lord about, um, you know, His will for my life, that's for sure. And I was really just wasn't thinking about um, what I wanted to do. I wanted to make some difference in the world, but I wanted to find purpose. And to this day, I, I obviously at that young age, I didn't know what that meant or even how to achieve that. I really just kind of wanted to be powerful. So I've got my power suit on today nice. to kind of make me feel a little more powerful. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. So, um, but making a difference and of course, making some money along the way, because um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And the older I got, actually, the more confused I got about me or my life's purpose and where it would begin and when it would begin. And it's gotten clearer over time. But for years, I searched for who I was in occupations and just focused on doing what I did to the best of my ability. Yeah, you, I mean, you were amazing. I mean, you, you know, you you had great jobs, but I mean, our ministry life, you know, that you were launched into, um, if you if you will, drug into, drug into shot uh, out of a cannon. You know, the, uh, we had <laughs> different careers kind of going up to our ministry life, but when we got into ministry and we were on staff at. Uh, when I was on staff at the Auburn Chapel, got I got ministry in 1985. I'll get a little. I'll go to my side in a minute, but I wanted to share some things about some of the things that Stephanie's done over the years, uh, not just in ministry but in leadership, and I think are important. And and uh, she started uh, the DCOP, which stands for the DeKalb Council on Pregnancy, and uh, in 1985 uh, she started that ministry, and she recruited and trained teams. She opened up a center in downtown Auburn. 
Indiana, she raised the funds that impacted thousands of women and families who were considering aborting and giving them support and help that they actually needed. And as an aside, Stephanie got married in 1974, and Roe versus Wade uh, was uh, instituted in 1973. And as teen uh, teen parents, 17 and 15, uh, you know, she had uh, those options, but it was never an option. And her passion for family and for life and health and the 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 birth of a child that God's given us is extraordinary. But that center is going on still to this day. She mentored new leadership when we moved to Georgia in 1987, and I'm. Proud to say that, as I'd already mentioned, that it's a thriving, strong leadership team, and it's still making an impact uh, in the in the Indiana area. The fellowship that we were part of back in the late '80s, um, like, was male dominated. And uh, at a conference, uh, when we would go to a conference, the ladies would go off shopping, and while the men did the spiritual work, like <laughs> ladies can't do spiritual work, whatever. And Stephanie created uh, something called Mates in Ministry that really took off. And the ladies went from shopping to breakout sessions where women got their, their strengths, uh, able to be able to express, they were encouraged, they were honored for who they were in the kingdom. And so much had happened over those years. Uh, when when Stephanie was first uh, developing all those things, that she became one of the very first female speakers at a conference in the general session, albeit it was in the afternoon. <laughs> the but evening. It was not the evening session. It was an afternoon session. But nonetheless, to this day, men and women in that fellowship that we were a part of and still a part of, they are honored uh, equally across the board. And I believe that Stephanie had a big impact in actually making that happen. When we started our church in 1987, actually 1988, we moved here in 87, we didn't have any money, we didn't have any resources, and Stephanie wrote all of the children's ministries material from the very beginning because we didn't have the resources to, to buy them. And uh, the programs that, while they are not published, they were the backbone of our children's department. It was not one of those one-and-done kind of things, but she continued to invest. She wrote more and more programs, more and more resources, building teams, growing the church, and she made sure that the kids were involved and raised many of those kids up and leaders in the church, and many of them are leaders today. Uh, and just a, what a tribute to her life and her giftedness. And you know, it, uh, if if you if I took you to her office and showed you all the resources that she's written, and the and she keeps them all, she hangs on to them. They're treasures, like an like an artist has a painting that they they're not going to just toss it in the trash. Um, and while some paintings are better than others, they 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 it's an expression of who they are. And all that Stephanie does and has done and continues to do, uh, extraordinarily has impacted um, the kingdom. And our church grew and flourished. And we worked as a as a couple in ministry and. And, and that ministry grew um, significantly. When John Maxwell, and they may know that name, uh, he moved his ministry from Southern California. It was called Enjoy. And Stephanie was the, ver- the second person that that large company hired. And she was the executive assistant for Dan Ryland. And while there... Most, again, the leadership, most of the leadership stuff was male-dominated, and they had programs for men, and they had a program called Joshua's Men. But then after a while, if she'd been there for a while, they came to Stephanie and asked her, would she consider writing something for the women? And she did, wrote a whole program, a 12-month program called Leading Ladies. Called Mentoring Women. Oh, Mentoring Women. I'm sorry. Mentoring Women. I apologize. Sorry. Um, Yeah, you know the title. I should know it, but I was never allowed to come to Mentoring Women. I I had to go to the male-dominated. 
related thing. Ladies. Like you get into the men's stuff. No, the but cool anyway, stuff is for women. Yeah, but uh, mentoring women. It was uh, and, and they they sold it uh, for many years, and then when they when it, you know when it kind of gets off the shelf life, you know, people kind of cycle new things, and they gave it back to Stephanie, and she continued to sell it, and it's continued to use. In fact, recently, um, a church from Michigan. This is extraordinary to me. Just last year, a church from Michigan who had Stephanie's mentoring women and was using it there in Michigan, out of the, out of the blue, this gal contacted Stephanie and had been using her stuff for years since it was written. And I don't remember. Do you remember what year that was written that you wrote Mentoring Women? Uh, 99... I think it came yeah. out. It debuted in '99, and so, I've done two revisions since then. So here, here they've been using this resource. <laughs> they were using the original, one. and they were using the yeah, they used the original on the DV on the on the CDs, right? Yeah, uh, no, on cassettes. Oh, on cassette. They actually had that's, just the paperwork right. in the binder. For those younger awesome. audience, if you want to Google cassette <laughs> on Google, it'll show you an image of what a cassette from that looks like CD, and a cassette player which is looks also like. Yeah, no that's more. right. And now it's digital. But at any rate, this church uh, sought Stephanie out and wanted her to be the keynote speaker at their conference in April. And what an honor it was. And when our church uh, had transitioned from a large church, we had a large kind of a church growth model for 18 years, and our ministry was unique and did a lot of great things. But we decided we wanted to shift gears, and we really shifted gears, jumped out of a whole other vehicle. And we bought this swim tennis community that we were going to do ministry seven days a week and had 12 tennis courts commercial kitchen and uh, we wanted to reduce our salary and and uh, so the church could flourish so I took a job as a golf pro we'll talk about that later perhaps but then when Stephanie stepped in as leading the center and she actually nobody really knows if she's paid $200 a week and she made $200 a week for 15 years while she ran that center she built a team of people to help run that facility. She developed the programs for tennis. The pool had memberships. The kitchen was staffed mostly by volunteers. Um, she labored selflessly, never complaining, always pouring into the team. And I'm proud to say that we had over 20,000 people a year that was on that site, not just in tennis, not to mention all the other auxiliary things that were going on from swimming and uh, some of the, all the different programs. And she ran kids camps there. And then recently, I mean, then she came to a place where she resigned from that position, I think from pure exhaustion. <laughs> I think that might have been it. It's like pure exhaustion yeah, right. and a belief that she could maybe make more than $200 a week. <laughs> um, and she, oh, she did that generously. She never did it begrudgingly. She never did it with a bad heart. It was, But we worked uh, as a team together in that, and I was working another job doing ministry and, and all that. But she resigned from that position, and she wanted to pursue one of her deepest passion in coaching people to good health, wanting them to die of old age, and um, and and that what a, what a great passion die of old age. What's the, I've, I've forgotten. I've already live long and strong. Live long passion and, strong. and purpose. Yeah. Die of old age. So die of old age and and uh, and the ministry. Uh, so she stepped out of that role. And I wanted her to pursue that deep passion that she actually had. And I, um, I surprised her with a birthday gift because uh, she started her journey with a surprise gift because I knew that's what she wanted to do. And I'd contacted one of her great mentors, Dr. Bill Sears. And uh, he is re a recognized leader in the health world. Uh, nutrition. Extraordinary in, in nutrition. And uh, I called the company. I said, I'm buying her this program, and I want it to be a surprise. And, and, and they'd never done this before. They had to jump through a bunch of hoops to get it to make it happen. But bottom line, uh, it took place, and, uh, and she 
sat under Dr. Sears, became educated and continued that education. And just, it was amazing because when she first kind of started with that group, you know, she was a, really a great servant. But then later on, uh, they realized the leader that she actually was. She served uh, in a way that selflessly. But Stephanie is, make no mistake about it, this gal can lead a group of people. And if you want something organized and a group led and where they know where they're going, when they're supposed to get there, what we're supposed to accomplish when we get it, when, when it's all said and done, she's, our, she's your girl. And But you know, selflessly she would serve. But then later on they began to recognize and trust, and this gal is gifted. And they then they gave her the reins. And they gave her the reins, not that she would promote herself, that she would make that ministry, Dr. Sears' ministry, grow and flourish. And it wasn't long after she went from being just a gal at the table that she was sharing the stage with Dr. Bill Sears and um, and would be on the platform and, and uh, just... You know, he, he's, he loves her and she loves him and, and what a great uh, relationship you know, that has been. And then she continued her education and she completed her national board certification. And yes, when I talk about Stephanie, I always make sure that I mention this because the national board certification is through the board of medical examiners. And so it's the highest and hardest certification to get in the United States of America. And uh, she has, she's had that for some time. And then she developed out of that, and her passion to help people be successful, she developed this individual coaching program over the last several years. And the many people that go through, Stephanie was in the very first class in the United States that went through that and graduated. She helped uh, write um, uh, practice exams, those kind of things. And now, uh, now she's helping other coaches be successful like she's successful. And she's offering her mentoring, her programs, her resources um, online. You can go to her website. Um, and, and, and check those things out. I know she talks about that a lot, and you should go to her website, and you should check it out because the resources, I always tell her this, there's no one that's going to listen to your resource and think, well, I paid a lot for, for I, I thought I'd get a lot more than that. You're going to get way more for your buck when you re- get Stephanie's resources. Go, in fact, after you, re- after you go through it, after you're taught and trained, after you really, and you realize what you paid, send her a little bonus <laughs> and sell her that Jack said that <laughs> I should tip. send you a bonus. Give her a tip. But she always delivers because of this reason, um, not because of money, but because of her pure passion. This is always, this is the girl that I, that I married. This, I saw this our entire life, selflessly. Giving, 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 and um, and many people benefited. And so I'm very certain of this one thing, that I'm the man that I am today um, because of her influence in my own life, um, her leadership in my life. I'm very, very blessed. I'm always wanting her to see her passion and her health multiplied, and, and she wants to continue to invest in people until the day that the Lord takes her home. Mm-hmm. That's the girl that she is. That's a little snapshot of uh, her career, if you will, but her calling and her using her God-given talents uh, to make an impact in the world. Wow. that That's a lot. You said so much more than what I expected. Thank you. Um, I should give out the phone number now, um, the coach to coach. You should give out the phone number. No, I'm just going to say, you know, we both have been about championing championing others. And I don't know if that's a word, championing others. And, um, you know, in ministry, that was just the way we lived. We sewed into other people's lives, other marriages, individuals. You did Joshua's Men with the men at our church. And so it was just such a great joy uh, to kind of come alongside and uh, mentor women and develop a product that John could um, 
you know, utilize with enjoy. And then now it just lives on digitally, but, um, coaching coaches and mentoring mentors and leading leaders and, you know, and that, and you're a pastor to pastors. So we've both been pretty much along those same line, you know, enjoying, um, that together. But the point is with, when it comes to aging and, and aging gracefully and finding purpose is a big part of that. And we've kind of weaved our way around, you know, all kinds of occupations, all kinds of jobs. And uh, we'll get to your, your path in a minute. But, um, you know, one, one of the things that I know is that, you know, who I am is not necessarily found in a job mm. or even in a career. That's good. I mean, I am grateful that I have had the kind of great careers that I've had. And when I, you, when I did, um, had ministry, Stephanie Wolf Ministries and my team, yeah. we were all volunteers, great people, still very close to them and uh, those leaders and, and developing mentoring women and then leading ladies in the conferences. And we're leading ladies are having a conference um, or a retreat in October. Yeah, so uh, if you haven't heard about it yet and you're one of my leading ladies, then there's hundreds. And um, so I'm not going to get to everybody, but I'm excited to be able to do that in October. Um, but all of the way, you know, we grew, we learned, we changed, we challenged ourselves and others, all the things that I'm doing on this podcast, basically. But who you are isn't found in what you do for a living. Am I right? That's exactly right. I mean, right. you've done a lot of things. And <laughs> so I want you to share about those. And um, um, But, you know, who you are is is not necessarily found in what you do. I am who I am, regardless of what I did. You know, I've done a lot of things just to keep things afloat. You know, I, I took several jobs just so I could be home to homeschool one of my sons and one of our sons. And, um, you know, and I, I drove a school bus during that time. Yeah. And I worked two jobs as the church was getting started. And Stephanie Wolf Ministries had to go kind of on the back shelf. Yes. As we bought the swim tennis, tennis facility, I came off the road and we started you know, developing that and used to call it my little parish because everybody would come to me, Miss Stephanie, you know, watch me jump in the water or whatever. But those were all things we did because it needed to be done. And and I didn't think, oh, I'm, you know, not going to fulfill my destiny, you know, by not being able to do those things that are on my heart. It kind of led me to where I'm at right now. You know how your Mm. mess becomes your message, Mm, Um, you know, just learning how to live life and do it well. And then the more doors that open to you, the more you can walk through. But I'm the same me as I was as a sales rep or the same me as I was as a school bus driver. Maybe a little less harried, <laughs> but nonetheless the same me, an older me, a more mature me, hopefully. Yeah. But finding purpose is the key to doing what you do. So having you know, to make some money along the way, obviously doing this job or that job, while you're finding your path, you still need a job. You need to pay the bills. And um, walking through open doors, like I said, and walking out, um, knowing when to walk out, I suppose, when uh, there's a risk, um, the risk outweighs maybe the benefits at some point, but no, and knowing when to leave, which might be a whole nother discussion. But um, during this uh, podcast and hopefully in the next, we're going to talk about who, what, where, how, and when of potential and purpose uh, in life. So who we are, what we're designed to do, where we should do what we're doing, um, and how to do it, and then when to do it. Mm. So this, you know, some of this is going to be, um, you know, a new, it might be just the beginning of an exploration process. We're kind of towards the last half or the last at least quarter, maybe of uh, that process. But, 
and it might be a good beginning place for some of the younger people who are listening to um, me, who just turned 65, and my husband, whose birthday's tomorrow, turning 67. So, you know, there's a lot we've learned. There's a lot of things that I think we can share with, um, with our audience. So some of the answers to the questions might be simple, and others might take some digging, but that's up to you. I can't dig with you unless you need a um, business coach like Jack or a uh, health and wellness coach like me. But... Um, I think some people have known what they wanted to do early on and became that. And it just, you know, that's all they've ever done, right? They grew up in a family of medical world or doctor, lawyers, or, you know, some of the main professions. But, um, and for others, it had to come late in life where they figured it out and found something um, that was super exciting to them and something that was rewarding. Because if it's not rewarding, it doesn't, it doesn't have much um, potential to continue. So, um, you know, a lot of things jump out at people, you know, early on, like I said, and, um, and some other things are discovered over time. And we tease about you being the jack of all trades. And so I love the fact that you are so well-rounded that you can do so many things. I always say body, soul, and spirit. You, you do. You've got this great gift in uh, your general contractor. You have your license here in Georgia. And, uh, you know, so you've all, you've been about building for a lot of years. We, I always tease you builds people, builds buildings, whatever, builds whatever he needs to build. And then, um, you know, ministry, that started early on for both of us. And, yeah. you know, starting in Auburn Chapel in 1985, um, you know, really kind of going deeper, I suppose. That's when um, you were licensed and ordained. And um, those are some things that you still live in you right yeah, now, right? Those are part and, of my life. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. And so tell us about that, Jack of all trades. Come on, bring it. All right, here we go. So um, if I had music playing, I would be playing uh, d- dragnet music. Uh, the, 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 what you're about to hear is the truth. Or you remember, just go Google That's dragnet. Right. It's an old show, again, for the young people. And uh, Jack Friday or Joe Friday, uh, Joe Friday. you know, everything is... Uh, Jack Friday so, in your case. So this is, this is true. I've told people these kind of things in the past. They go, I, I don't believe uh, you're old enough to, to do all that. But at any rate, so when people, by the way, go, I talk about this, go, oh, Jack of, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. And I always correct them. I go, no, Jack of all trades, master of some. Uh, actually. Uh, <laughs> master of most master is what of, your wife of, and your family would master say. Master of some, that's right. So here, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the, down the list. And uh, I've done all of these things either... Uh, and most of the stuff I've done in my life have been concurrently, so I don't go from one job to the next. I will mix jobs in, um, and I've always mixed jobs in, and I'll continue to do that uh, the rest of my life. That's what um, bivocational or multivocational. Multivocational guy. I'm a guy that's not satisfied with just doing one thing, and I like to do multiple things at once. So I grew up in a small town in Leo, Indiana. It's north of Fort Wayne, a little farm community. And my little my family background, you've heard about this, but Stephanie, I got married at 17 and 15. And uh, Stephanie was in the 10th grade, and I was a senior in high school, and we, uh, we got both our parents to sign off, and, and uh, we got married. You've heard that story before. So when Stephanie left school and had our first son, and then she went back to school, and this is great. This shows her determination and her skills. She did two years' worth of work, and she graduated with her class. So, but when I was in school, I was not the brightest kid uh, in, Leo, in Leo High School. I did not have a propensity for math and social studies and geography. I had other propensities for goofing off or whatever. <laughs> humor. And uh, humor and entertaining people, which I got uh, in trouble for. But they had special opportunities for kids like me. So when I was 15, 
they had these half-day school programs that you could be a part of, and you'd go to school half a day, and then we'd go to the city and build houses uh, for the rest of the day. So I did that until I turned 16, and in that same school program, they had other options besides building houses, and they had a, uh, so I did build the houses for a year, and I really liked that, you know, and that was pretty cool. And then uh, they had a program, I, when I turned 16, I moved into a custom cabinet shop, and so I did uh, custom cabinet work. I mean, stuff that was really, learned how to do Formica and so many things. And I just thought it would be fun uh, to, you know, to do these different kind of jobs. And so here's, here's that. So I was a custom cabinet maker. I later, in 1974, uh, after I turned uh, 18, I did that until I turned 18, I became a master brick mason. Uh, went through my journeyman, uh, my, my four years of masonry, became a journeyman. Then I built my own business called Mountain Masonry. We did uh, custom stonework, brick work, residential brick. We did all four sides brick, all masonry fireplaces. Not the kind of fireplaces that have metal in them. These were like if you go to Europe and look at a fireplace. We built those kind of fireplaces. And it is a special skill. Not everybody knows how to do it. And if you don't do it right, you'll have a house filled with smoke. <laughs> um, and so we did that for Ray Whitmer home. Then I lived, we lived on a hog farm. And during those hog farming days, we did, we raised hogs for three to four years. We got paid for it. Um, you can uh, Google this later, but this, uh, we had a continuous farrowing operation, which we always had pregnant hogs uh, giving birth. And, uh, and so we, I did that. I also helped with farming sometimes. I've driven tractors around the clock. I've plowed dirt. I've uh, tilled fields. And, and we actually, one time we, we were trying to get the crops in and uh, I we drove the tractors around the clock for 24 hours. The girls would come out and uh, and give us food and water to drink. And so I did that. During that time, I also uh, got paid to do some aluminum siding. I learned how to hang aluminum siding with leaky homes. And so I did that concurrently with living on the hog farm and laying brick and hanging siding and all the kind of things. But I got I did it long enough where it became a skill. I spent four, yard, four years driving uh, tractor trailers, semi, semis, uh, and I had this one company that I drove for uh, out of the four years. I worked with them a couple of years. We hauled uh, long uh, structural steel, big steel girders, and uh, this will blow your mind, but these big steel girders that hold up these massive buildings, the longest load I ever hauled was a 134-foot piece of steel on a 75-foot stretch trailer. So what that means is these big girders, on the, you had this tail on the back of the semi. The tail of that back of the semi was 59 feet long. Now, of course, we would have to have escorts, people you know, shutting streets down to get us in, and I did that for a couple of years. I've been all over the United States of America. I hauled live turkeys which we picked up on Ami's farm. I pulled fuel tankers. I hauled a reefer unit. We hauled beef, uh, hauled beef back and forth uh, uh, from Indiana to Oakland, California uh, that went, uh, that was being shipped to Japan. And I would come home every week. And so those four years of me driving tractor trailer were very interesting times. And I got, got tired of that because it wasn't really working for our relationship at home and the kids <laughs> kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? It was gone all the time. But I've had some great, I have some really great stories about driving tractor trailer for four years. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Some that, um, but anyway. And then at the, so so I came off of that. I came off the road in that same company I was driving for. I got off the road and I worked as a diesel mechanic. And I did this diesel mechanic job for a couple of years, but it was really kind of a nasty job because I'm pretty good with my hands. And so I did that for like a year or so, a couple of years. Then I decided to transfer into the plant where I learned another skill on how to build bar joists and girders, the things that I actually hauled on the tractor trailers for the couple of years that I worked for Volcraft. And and when I worked in that job, by the way. Uh, when I got hired in to to build these girders, uh, when I when I when I got asked to come to the you know when I started my very first day, the foreman on the line looked at me and he said, "You will not make it until noon. You will not make it till lunch. 
that's when you're going to be gone. And they, because we got paid by how fast we built things. And he looked at me with my size. I am a massive human <laughs> being. I'm built. I'm like, I'm, nobody's ever accused me of being tall. But at any rate, um, not only did I do that job, but I mastered four jobs at that, at that plant because no one's going to tell me that I can't do something. Mm -hmm. And I became, I mastered four different jobs uh, on, the, on the line. And I ended up working, because I had four different jobs, I made more overtime than anybody in the <laughs> entire plant. There were times I worked double shifts. I would work two shifts. And there were times, because I had three shifts, I would work three shifts. I worked for 24 hours building these girders, doing different jobs on different lines because I had this different skill set. And people would come over and go, they want to see my paycheck and how much money I made. Uh, so I did that for a while. And then I, I, I got out of that job and I... I worked as a gravel pit uh, operator. I was running a front-end loader, and that job actually bored me to tears. And so um, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't really stay there very long. I stayed there for about 90 days, but I was running this big front-end loader in a gravel pit. I worked at, I got into ministry in 1985, and I was a church maintenance man. I was a youth pastor. I was a worship leader. I did special music. I was assistant pastor. And then, of course, in 1987, uh, we moved here with $200. I, got a, uh, I went back to one of my jobs, uh, laying brick, and we planted a church. And uh, my wife worked two jobs. The church grew, uh, and I was back into masonry and doing those kind of things. And then I, uh, as the church continued to grow, I had this knack for laying glass block, which was really kind of a thing back in those days. And I became the glass block specialist in the Atlanta market for the company that I worked for. And frankly, it paid very, very well. So I could just work a couple of days, make really great money. And, uh, and that helped me to, to uh, take care of my family and to build the church. And I'm proud to say that the work that I did uh, with, uh, with this company, there were three of us. Our work was featured in Architectural Digest, which is a national uh, magazine. And I still have pictures of it. Uh, they didn't take my picture, but the pictures of the glass block is there. And I know that I did it. And then I pastored a church for 18 years that grew uh, to a sizable church and uh, close to 1,000. We had three services. We did missions, uh, work, and traveled around the world. And while I was pastoring, by the way, I got this kind of hankering that uh, I saw an ice rink being built. Uh, right over here, the ice forum. And I loved ice skating and I loved to play hockey. And I thought, I'm going to swing in there and see if they need some help. And sure enough, they did. And they hired me to build, help build the rink. And then when the, and while I was pastoring this church, by the way, that was growing, and I would go there and I would do work. And then I later uh, worked inside the rink and I would uh, open it up for the figure skaters to come in. And, I, and, uh, and so I would get there, open up, and then, yes, I learned to drive the Zamboni. <laughs> and uh, so I would make ice and uh, for the ice skaters to skate. And I got to tell you this, there was a friend of mine, uh, Jared Sobelson, he'll never hear this, but um, Jared, he was a golfer. We were, I was, uh, oh yeah, I was a golf. Did I mention I was a golf pro? No. Oh, I'll get Not to that. Yet. But yeah. uh, uh, Jared, we were, uh, uh, I'll tell you, I was a golf pro uh, for a while. A but uh, he, was, he was like, he was amazed with all the jobs I've done. And we went to this hockey game and uh, we're sitting in um, a very, uh, a suite. And uh, he turns around when they were making ice between periods, and he turned around. And he goes, "Have you ever driven a Zamboni, Jack?" I go, "Well, as a matter of fact, he's okay. I give up." <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah, Zamboni driver. Um, volunteer work. I uh, volunteered for the DDA for twelve years in Duluth. I'm the chairman of the DDA for Sugar Hill. I was a police chaplain for seven years with the city of Duluth. I helped uh, several boards get started here. Unite that's still making a huge impact uh, in in uh, in, the, in the community. Yes, I was a golf pro uh, for about seven years. I worked at the Standard Club, which is a very uh, high level club in Atlanta. I went to PGA school, um, and so I got. 
got my PGA certification. I was uh, during concurrently, I got out of that while we're still pastoring the church. I became a pro tournament director, which is a, a same kind of a tournament that a PGA event would be. It was a high level uh, term. I did. I ran that uh, tour for nine years concurrently while I was doing other things. And then I would mix in. I did tile settings for a while. I did custom tile work uh, in this area. And um, I did uh, the VP of uh, Gwinnett Community Bank. I'm very good at that. And then, you know, while we were running the swim tennis community, I became the chef of the cafe that we ran. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. I cooked every single weekend and uh, got up early in the morning and baked everything from scratch, made these beautiful scones. And, and uh, by the way, um, uh, my scones uh, that I made, uh, I ended up uh, competing for in a MasterChef competition. And, and uh, it was kind of amazing how I ended up getting there. Uh, but I went to MasterChef and competed, and my, and my food made the cut. I was one of seven people selected. And out of the seven... Of us that got selected, uh, my I was first of all, I was blown away that they loved my scones. It was they were so delicious. They were um, and anyhow, and so the next little stage was okay. You got to go to see if you're going to be good enough for the camera. And we had to go in this little screening room and do this little thing. And only the only three of the seven were going to be selected. Um, and here's what I told my wife after I wasn't selected. They liked my food. They just didn't like me. Can you imagine this? Not no, liking me. How good would I be on that show? But anyway, uh, and then I became an installation manager at Atlanta Flooring. Uh, I've helped my son great start company, a, by the way. Great, great, Atlanta great company. Florin Atlanta Flooring Design Center. No question. Atlanta Flooring Design Center. I became an installation manager for 12 months. Then I concurrently helped my kids start a business. I became a list, licensed general contractor. I'm licensed to build anything. And I'm a licensed commercial <laughs> realtor, and I sell land for a living, and then I oversee a ministry uh, still in this area, and I'm still doing business coaching, uh, leadership coaching, and we're getting ready to launch a new work. Stephanie and I are going to launch a new work. I feel like God's called me to get something going again, and so stay tuned for that. Um, it's going to be taking place. We had a place picked out. didn't really work out, but we're kind of honing that down. So I'm going to go back to kind of pastoring again while I concurrently sell in commercial real estate. Other than that, I've got nothing going on. <laughs> That's me, Jack Wolf. <laughs> Wow, that is, and that's so true. What's what I love about just revisiting all of that? I'm just sitting over here grinning from ear to ear, and I know you know Dan's never heard this whole thing before, obviously, and uh, he's producing for us today. Thank you, Dan. And um, so I love how excited and passionate you are. Your arms are going all these different directions and hands and and everything. But I'm so proud of you because you know there's so much out there, and I think a lot of people, you know, failure to launch, you know, where people are afraid to try something because they might fail or they it might not work out. And, you know, knowing when to walk away from things is just as important as knowing how to walk through a door. And one of the things that I remember, you know, you mentioned it, you know, truck driving and over the road, you know, the OTRs, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's not a great family life no. um, connected to that. And so you had to understand and, you know, where, where you need to draw the lines sometimes. And for us, that was one of those things where it's like, okay, it's not the benefits do not outweigh the risks and the no, they you know not. definitely the the pain that you you know the family and I know there's people who just have to be away and that's I'm not no uh, judgment there on anybody else but um, the who what where how when and uh, that we're going to be discussing over the um, the next in our next podcast is really kind of precursor to this, or not precursor, but a follow-up to this, because what we wanted to say, and I just thought this would lay a, a nice groundwork, because 
there's so much to do. We can do anything. I mean, if I lost, you know, my company today and decided I wanted to go do something else, and you know, I could, I could actually go to school and become a lawyer. I That's mean, right. how many of those, you know, hundred-year-old uh, people or you know, the 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 eighty-year-olds that you hear that just graduated with their PhD or you That's know right. didn't finish school and went back and did things, and so you know, I think the 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 part of this part of um, the podcast and this two-part um, podcast that we're doing here is really about, you know, n- n- not letting anything stop you and moving out there, you know, doing yeah. what needs to be done while you're finding your place mm-hmm. here or there. So, you know, who in the world you are? And, you know, it's a question that a lot of people ask themselves and mm. trying to figure out what they want to do. And I think it's something that you find out while you're doing things. <laughs> it's You never know what you're really going to be good at until you start doing some things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what, and, and uh, as far as doing, you know, we're not defined by what we do. Mm. We're defined by who we are. And who we are is more important than what we do. Uh, the who we are is going to be reflected in the what we do. I mean, uh, you always hate it when somebody says, so, uh, when, you know, a lot of first questions people ask, so what do you do for a living? They don't ask who you are. Tell me about who you are. I'm the same guy. I did multiple things. I'll continue to do multiple things because of the way that I'm wired. Um, but, but at any rate, um, who I am and who I am in the Lord has been hopefully... Um, I, I know uh, been impacted in all of those uh, different jobs, and you know the you know my favorite verse, uh, my life verse is uh, Deuteronomy thirty four seven. Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, and his heart never failed, and his eyes never grew dim, which means that his heart was full of vigor all of his life about what he could do, and his eyes growing dim is about a vision about what's mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah. And I don't want to be a downer right now, but there is actually no retirement verse in the Bible. Uh, it doesn't say at this age, retire. You know what? God's called us. In, I mean, your life can slow down. Ours is slowed down, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But regardless of your age, you can have a heart that's passionate and eyes that are full of fire about what's next and give be your best self in whatever the next thing is or maybe that's not a next thing just whatever you're doing right now um, and it all works together god's a part of it anyhow there you amen go. all right i was going to ask you for your closing thoughts that but i it. think that's it okay <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> well a huge part of aging gracefully is finding fulfilling and living on purpose or in purpose and um what that means is different for different people. But my point really all along has been, you know, improving and moving into areas that might seem a little difficult at times, but um, small changes that can be made to enhance your tomorrows. Because every choice we make today affects tomorrow. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I always say, I don't know. But I all I do know is that while I have breath in my lungs, I want to, I never want to stop growing up. <laughs> so, all right. Well, you've been listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Thank you, Jack Wolf, for being with us today. I so appreciate you and look forward to having you back whenever your schedule allows. And Thank you, babe. You're not laying brick or uh, selling a piece of land or coaching some um, <laughs> ministry teams or any of those things. But for information about our corporate wellness programs, virtual classes, or our individual coaching programs, go to wholefoodhealthcoach.com. Our coaching is available virtually anywhere in the country. I'm Stephanie Wolf, wishing you well personally and professionally. See you next week live or on your favorite podcast channel. Until then, choose life.